the Team Performance Podcast with Spencer Horn and Christian Napier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Team Performance Winning Ways for Uncertain Times podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and today I am delighted to be joined by the man coming to us from Bountiful, Utah, <laughs> Spencer Horn. Spencer, how you doing? Great, Christian. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty darn good, all things considered. Yeah, and aren't you down there in uh, beautiful Sandy, Utah? I'm in beautiful Sandy, Utah right now. That's correct. You know, I I went I, I grew up there when I was a kid. You did? Yeah, I went to Alta High School, lived there, and just down from Little Cottonwood Canyon. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I'm just a little north of where you grew up. So that's cool. Excellent. Well, I want to hear about all your fun journeys because you've <laughs> been running around the country the last week or two, so... Why don't you just give us a little bit about what you've been doing over the last, I don't know, eight to 10 days. Oh, all right. Well, I've just been out traveling and, and uh, I went, Jan and I left last Monday for Chicago and we, uh, well, I flew to Indiana. She drove with our son to Chicago and um, he's doing summer sales there. And so Jan and I were going together, but she thought she could, you know, he was driving alone all the way from Salt Lake to Chicago. So she went with him and, and then I drove up to, to get her and we just, we had a great, great old time. I mean, I did, gosh, in the last eight days, I've done five trainings and four CEO groups in Indianapolis. And in between, you know, we drove back and forth to Chicago to just play and see things. And, and uh, it, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. Well, that sounds awesome. I was in Seattle last week with my son and daughter-in-law, and we had a great time there. And the weather was absolutely fantastic. I was shocked because I thought at this time of year, it's a little sketchy. You know, you you, you could have some nice days or you can have some rain. But uh, yeah, the temperatures were in the 70s the entire time we were there. Uh, we had a great view of Mount Rainier from our hotel room. Uh, you couldn't ask for a better time in Seattle. I love it's one of my Seattle. favorite places. Did you did you eat anywhere great? Yeah, we we had some really really great food. We went to a restaurant. Oh gosh, I got to remember the name of it. John's Place or John's. I, I'll I'll look it up. But it was north of Seattle, um, right by where you get the ferry, the Mukilteo ferry, and. Uh, the food there was outstanding. We had a really, really great meal there. And then the rest of the time, we just ate at different local places. And uh, yeah, whether it was pizza or seafood or Thai food, because for whatever reason, Seattle was absolutely chock full of Thai restaurants. Um, yeah, we had some great, great food. Not that so is, great for my waistline. No, it, I, I, the same thing. We were eating... Gosh, on the day that we flew home, we uh, we stopped at a, a restaurant, Harry and Izzy's in Indianapolis, because they have this amazing bread pudding. I think uh, uh, that I mean it had like this caramel sauce and like ice cream and whipped cream, and it was just like five pounds. It was you know the dessert, but we just stopped and got a dessert. And the night before that, we ate at a place called. Um, St. Elmo's Steakhouse. And I heard about it because Charles Barkley was talking about it on, on uh, TNT. He said it was his favorite steakhouse. And it was good. 
um, it was it was good. But I I tell you what, the Ruth's Chris Porterhouse, I don't think anything in the world beats that just for flavor and and just it's just amazing. But I can't wait to go back. But anyway, great steakhouse. And then in Chicago, we went to one of our favorite places twice. And this will sound strange because it's a chain, but it's based out of Bologna, Italy, called Italy. Have you ever heard of Italy? Italy. Have I been to one of those in New York? Do they have one in New York? I don't know that they have one in New York. They might. Um, I, I, we need to take a look. I, I know they have one in uh, Boston. They have it in Chicago. I think they're building one in Dallas, Las Vegas. Uh, gosh, LA, they have one at you know the Westfield Mall there in Santa Monica. Um, it, they're, they're all over the world, but it is all just authentic Italian food. So it's a market where you can go and buy all things Italian and they make their own cheeses. They make their own burrata. If you know what burrata is, oh my gosh, a, a cream infused mozzarella. And it's just amazing. And then homemade pastas that are just to die for. And so we took our son there for the first time. And he just loved it. I, I get a calzone that we love and it's just with like ham and ricotta and mozzarella and just a little bit of red sauce on top and it's just the best thing in the world this reminds me of of eating in italy so for all of our italian listeners uh, i i love your food but it's hard to replicate that and italy for some reason does a good job I and mean, there's so many great italian restaurants but i just love the authentic taste and feel of uh, of the little bistros and restaurants inside of italy Wow, I definitely would have to check that out next time I go visit a city that's got Italy in it. So, so thank you for that. <laughs> so thank worth you it. for that. Yeah. Well, why don't we dive into our topic today here, Spencer? I'm excited about it. I'm a little conflicted in your quotes. <laughs> so yeah, well, when I say conflict, I mean, what do you? What comes to mind? How? What do you feel? That's a pretty negative emotion. Yeah. Uh, you know, visually in my mind, I see armed conflicts, or I see wars, or I see <laughs> confrontations or contentions in meetings or amongst family members. Not a lot of positive vibes from the word conflict for me. Yeah, well, well stated, and and you're certainly uh, in good company. A lot of people will will feel like you do that 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 it's unsafe and it's just risky. I'm using the word conflict on purpose because I want. To maybe change the the perspective of conflict. In my opinion, it's something that helps an executive make better decisions. It 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 helps a team to move forward. You know, think about it for a moment. It, 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 have you ever been in a meeting that was just boring that nobody was speaking up? Plenty of those, no <laughs> doubt. And and so just and I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but you're you're so good at you know thinking these things through, but why would that happen? What, why would you be in a meeting where no one was really engaged or speaking up? Well, there are a couple of reasons off the top of my head. Number one, the people that are in the meeting that were invited to the meeting are not relevant, meaning that they don't really have anything to add to the meeting. Uh, that right. happens a lot of times, right? Where people just get invited to something, they don't even know why they're there. And so they don't have anything to add. So Another true. would be that the meeting is uh, 
run rather hierarchically and only certain people are allowed to speak up and other people are not. Uh, I see that in certain uh, with certain clients that I work with that it's only the quote unquote boss, right? That gets to actually have a, a voice in the meeting and everybody else just sits there. And it could be because people are afraid. They don't want to, they don't want to, they don't feel like they're empowered to share an opinion that may contradict what is being presented. So those are just a few things off the top of my head. Oh my gosh. Those were brilliant answers. I mean, think about the, the, the first one that, that you said in that too many people in the meeting, right? You know, if you read Patrick Lencioni, he's, he's great. He has a whole book on just meetings. And, and I love a lot of what he talks about. One of the things he says is don't give people a seat at the table just to, instead of giving them a raise or a promotion, just to make them feel important, because that actually creates problems, but th because they may not have something to add. So number two, you said, you know, they're going to defer to, to the senior executive. A lot of times, if the, if the senior leader is doing all the talking, I just got off a coaching call before we got on here, and I was having this exact conversation with this, with this leader saying, you know, when you're doing all the talking, you're not getting any, any response because they're deferring to you or they don't want to challenge you or you're, you're asking for compliance to do it this way. And, and as a result, you're not getting the best of your people. You're not getting their ideas. You're not getting even their red flags about your ideas that might make your ideas better. And, and then the last thing is that they may not feel comfortable or empowered to speak up. And that can come down to a behavioral trait. Well, the reason why we're talking about this, and, and several episodes ago, we introduced the idea of the high-performing team. And it's really the theme of this of this podcast and it's, you know, we, we've been deferring it to deal with a lot of the issues with the pandemic. And this, I don't know, we, we didn't say this in our introduction, but this happens to be our 50th episode. Did you, do you realize that? Wow. We're at the half century mark already. <laughs> yes. Uh, this oh is my goodness. Episode. But, but many of the episodes that we've been talking about have been dealing with crises and issues and challenges. And, and yes, we've talked a lot about team performance and we started this, this idea. And, and if you recall, I introduced 14 elements of a high performing team, right? There's the seven productivity elements or strengths, like being proactive and decision-making and, and, and goals and strategies and team leadership, accountability, alignment, and resources. Those are the productivity strengths. But then on the positivity strengths, those are the things that allow the team to maintain their productivity, that, that create that safety, that create that, that engagement. Things like trust, optimism, constructive interaction, communication, camaraderie, valuing diversity, and respect. Now, of the 14 that I have mentioned, the one topic that deals with conflict is called constructive interaction. And it just happens to be the one trait or strength that most teams score the lowest on worldwide ever since this has been a, a, an assessment for the last 25 years. Constructive interaction or having effective or productive conflict is the most difficult thing for teams to do. And the payoff is, is, is enormous. And what does it take to have productive conflict? I would actually take a step back and say, what does it mean to have productive conflict? Because we have all these examples of unproductive conflict 
or destructive well, conflict, but what does it mean to have productive conflict? Think about it for a moment. If, if people are speaking up and sharing their perspective, even if it's different from yours, don't you want that? Don't you want people to be passionate about what they believe? If you're having boring meetings, it means people aren't engaged. If meetings are exciting and, and a little bit, you know, talking about perspectives, it means that people care. And you want, in my opinion, you want people to care. And so for me, productive conflict is being able to have a disagreement and figure out a way to move forward and make a better decision than you would have been if, if it would have said, all right, Christian, this is what I want you to do. And, I, and I'm thinking in my mind, oh, that's so stupid. It's not going to work. Eyeball rolling, not talking up, passive aggressive, leaving the meeting frustrated, procrastinating, doing it. And then, you know, you, you see that what I'm talking about, right? Versus I trust you enough to know that if I speak up, you're not going to shut me down or slam me because I know that you're a leader that trusts and respects my opinion. As a matter of fact, probably are going to ask me to disagree before we move on. So, you know, you might get to a place as a leader where you're saying, I think we ought to do, you know, make this X decision over here for our organization going forward. And there are crickets. If I'm the executive of that company, I'm saying, and we're not going to move forward to that until I hear all the reasons why this is a bad idea. And we have a discussion. You know, there are there are some organizations that actually assign roles when you're making a decision for for to advocate or to to uh, you know to argue against. And then we have a, a debate, and that's where learning happens when we hear each other. And I think we have a problem right now in this country where we're not hearing each other. We we do conflict poorly, and it turns into you know, uh, ruined relationships. And, and that's one of the reasons why we're afraid of it. And, and, and I'll get into that. And so I think I'll answer your question more fully as we go forward. Is that, is that fair enough? That's fair enough. And it sounds to me like what you just it sounds to me like by what you just said, that one of the keys to productive conflict is to solicit it explicitly. Yeah. And it's actually, uh, it's called mining for conflict. And it, it, and you have to, so some executives struggle with that because they just want, they want complete harmony. I mean, part of the problem that we have with accepting conflict is this idea of what teamwork is. I mean, have you ever been in an office, Christian, where you walk down the hall and you have this, these beautiful pictures of, uh, you know, of a team, usually on like the Charles River or some, you know, they're, they're, they're those rowing teams in those tight uniforms. And it's, what does it say at the top of that picture of this beautiful team rowing in perfect harmony i don't know something like unity or something yeah or like teamwork right teamwork, and you see this beautiful yeah. picture of this whole team rowing in perfect unison like that's the that that is the ideal team when really you know you're not rowing on that smooth water the waves are coming over the boat and you're hitting each other's oars every once in a while and we don't always have the same uniforms i mean just we have this idea that in order for a team to be high performing we can have no discussion or discord on that team you know and when i say discord i don't mean lack of harmony i mean differences of opinion and you know we, we've been talking a lot about the utah jazz i mean do you think that 
the the players agree with everything that coach Snyder wants to do no uh, but I do think that the coach a does actively seek the input of the players yeah and B once they've kind of had the conversation and, and a decision's been made they all agree to say okay we're going to execute this to the best of our ability and so from that point it, forward we're all united in the execution even so though we may not have been united in the planning that is that is a huge part of a high performing team that the the the, the, the conflict happens behind the the you know in the decision process behind closed doors but once that decision is made there must be complete alignment because if there is not complete alignment then people are going to go out and not execute or they're going to undermine the process by by back talking and, and backdooring things so part of what what i want to create is this idea that conflict is normal it means that people care and i want you to normalize the idea that 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 conflict is 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 okay and i'm using that word on purpose and you know instead of just maybe we could use the word disagreement or different perspective that might be a healthier word but i i, I want you to think of conflict because we're so averse to in this country we are in a place where we do conflict so poorly we're so divided and so we're we're afraid to actually have healthy debate and i and i want to make it safe and normal to to have disagreements and, and it means that people care. And one of the things I like to do in working with, with teams is I like, to, I like to learn about how they feel about conflict. Some people may have serious aversion to it because of just growing up, how they grew up. They, you, know, you may have some people that when I say that, they literally have PTSD because maybe they've come from abusive relationships. And that can be, they can bring that to your organization. Uh, and that is a real, uh, factor to how they feel about having disagreements. It may feel very unsafe. They may literally feel threatened. And so you have to be aware of that and, and set some ground rules about how we disagree and make it so that if somebody feels safe uh, or unsafe, that they can actually say that and, 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 and that be respected. But so what are the, what are the ground rules? Well, so it's, it's going to be different for every team. And, and if I'm working with, with a, a specific team, they decide what those are. I don't decide them for them. And so one of the things we do, first of all, is we go around the room and we, we get people's perspectives on it. And, you know, I ask them, what, what do you need for this meeting to be productive? And because and, I'm teaching them how to have great executive strategic meetings, planning meetings, just you know, dealing with issues and challenges because a lot of executive meetings could be ad hoc to deal with a problem that you're having in a company. And so how do we do that productively and, and make it so that it's safe for everybody to speak up? What are the rules? And some of those rules, Christian, might be we get to hear from everybody. You know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna make a decision if, if you're holding back. We need to hear what, what that is. And another rule might be that, you know, um, <laughs> there's no voice raising we're you know we when we talk about conflict it doesn't mean that we're we're yelling at each other it just means we're 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 having a disagreement and i have a different perspective than you and we'll and we'll talk a little bit about it so so what we'll do is we'll make those those ground rules all really depending on the team and who's in there and what it is they want not what i want so that's an example of how you 
you know, you really make it safe for each individual team because different places around the world, think about working in Japan versus working in Saudi Arabia versus working, you know, in New York. Uh, you can see the differences of, of different tolerances and thresholds of, of how people will behave, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we definitely see that. I mean, we actually undergo specific training whenever from from an International Olympic Committee perspective, whenever we we step into another organizing committee, a new host city, right. um, we undergo some cultural training for so that we understand how people typically operate in that environment. Right. Uh, and you're, and you're right, it's very, very different from one city to the next. I mean, me even talking as emphatically as I am right now might be, seem threatening for some people and I would have to bring that down a notch and relax a little bit in my, in my voice to be able to have a safe environment. Now I'm, I'm speaking this way because I'm, I, I wanna be heard and, and passionate about what, I, what I'm saying. And so here in this environment and most of our listeners in the United States, the, this type of conversation would not be threatening or, or uncomfortable for them. But for some people around the, the world, having you know, an executive be very, you know, having this type of discussion back and forth might, might not be uh, as appropriate. So we need to figure out what those ground rules are for the team that we're working with. You know, we, we often talk about these in terms of uh, meetings, you know, like, oh, well, we're getting together, we're having a meeting, but yeah, um, there, there are other ways that you can, you can create productive conflict by giving people conflicting or competing assignments. You know, you can say, well, all right, we have three different options for our growth strategy. We can do A, B, or C. I'm going to put a, a team in charge of A, a team in charge of B, a team in charge of C. Then let's all get together and compare our notes, or and, or have a have a presentation. It's like you know, it's it's like Shark Tank, right? I mean, <laughs> we we want to see which idea we want to invest in. Yeah, I, it reminds me of uh, our time in Salt Lake 2002. I don't I don't recall if we've discussed this before on this podcast or not, but but uh, Mitt Romney and his uh, chief operating officer Fraser Bullock. Uh, in the lead up to the games, they would have a weekly meeting. In this weekly meeting, the heads of the venues would come together if they needed something. Right. They had five minutes to present what they needed and why they needed it. And the decision would be made on the spot. Yep, you get the funding or no, you don't. Love it. And, and so you knew that you had to come prepared because they were going to ask meeting. questions. I mean, if you have five minute presentation, you were probably grilled with why and and what's your backup and where's your research and why that. Right. Yeah. And so and that I think that's seem... one of the things that people need to do to have productive conflict is they need to have they need people to feel like they are prepared for prepared the conflict for the rather than prepared. just, yes. Yes. you know, it's just surprise and, and you're put on the spot. It's better if you come prepared. So when I when I say normalize conflict, this is part of what I'm talking about. And that is that we have a culture where ideas are challenged. And, and that's a good thing. 
it's it's not all ideas are are not all equal just because you have a great idea and you want to share it with a company you think that that's what the the company ought to do doesn't mean that that's actually what should happen even if it's you're the ceo and it's your idea right and so you know ideas that have merit get to to go through a, a process and they'll survive for the most part they will they will rise to the top and it's kind of what i was saying earlier that's very similar to your you know signing team a b and c and that is some teams are actually assigned to be advocates and others are assigned to, to debate against it. And that's, an, that's another way to do it. And, and it may not just happen on, on, in meetings, it can be projects, you know, project driven uh, discussions and so on. So, you know, a couple of other reasons why I think people avoid conflict is that people fear that if they get started disagreeing, things will get wildly out of control. And they're afraid of, uh, of going down the path of conflict and, and having it get personal. And so they'll, they'll avoid that altogether. And there's a, another reason why we avoid that, because we don't want to lose face. We don't want to lose rank or respect or influence. Because if you think about it, I mean, how we've developed as human beings, part of our, you know, the... the being part of the tribe is where we are safe, where we're protected. And if we put ourselves in a position to be cast out, to be, uh, to, you know, to, to be ostracized, then that, that, that is a threat to our security, to our well-being, mentally, physically, financially, all of those things. And then we have additionally natural styles of conflict avoidance or engagement, right? We've talked about those in the past. Some people with higher dominance and higher uh, extroversion are typically a little more comfortable engaging in, 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 in productive conflict. Sometimes people who have higher pace and lower dominance might be less comfortable with that. They may see that as more threatening. So that can be very much related to your personality profile. And, and, and I think the last reason is that most people just aren't equipped to deal with it. It's, it's what you said a minute ago is they're not prepared for those questions. I mean, if you think about people who go after venture capital, and that's kind of what Mitt Romney was doing, right? He comes from the venture capital world from, of Bain. He brought that philosophy, it sounds like, I mean, I would imagine to the, to the games. And so when you're deciding what ideas or companies to invest in, it's like, you know, tell me why I should, I should invest in you. Why are you worthy? Why is your idea worthy to be considered? That's really what's going on there. And, and so some organizations naturally have that culture. You think about nonprofits or other organizations like government organizations, like, you know, maybe some that you've, you've worked with that may not be so natural, but Mitt brought it to the Salt Lake Organizing Committee. It's one of the most successful winter Olympics ever, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's generally regarded as probably the most well-managed games in recent memory. Right. And, and I think part of it was that that comfort with having uncomfortable discussions and, and making decisions in, in conversations. So, you know, some coaches or leaders avoid conflict for the exact same reasons that I just said. They think it's going to go south. They don't want to lose face. They, you know, they don't necessarily know how to deal with it. Even, you know, within the organization, they just don't have the skills. So one of the things I do when I go into an organization is I have them take a poll on how they feel about conflict. Number one, are you screaming and turning away? Number two, are you hyperventilating, but you're still here? 
Number three, you're like one foot in, one foot out. And number four, you know, curious, but willing, uh, but still nervous. And then number five, bring it on, you know, let, let's have a discussion. And that really helps us kind of everybody kind of get where everybody else is with conflict, because just because you're comfortable doesn't mean, you, you know, your, your teammate is. And so I think having that little poll um, just kind of helps everybody see where everyone else is and, and be a little understanding about their different way of engaging with you and, and maybe not responding as, as, um, as positively to your overtures to let's, 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 let's really hash this out. The couple of, of, of things that I think you need to do to, to, to really make this successful with your team, to, to have productive conflict, normalize it, make sure that it's okay that people, uh, have a disagreement that they that they share that opinion that you hear them you know some organizations like hubspot they take quarterly surveys about how we're doing what what what's working what's not um because we we need to hear from our frontline employees and then train teams in how to 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 conflict and and, and how to engage in it productively and understand why they struggle with it so here are some of the reasons to um, some outcomes from from conflict, innovation, creativity, uh, you know, resilience in your in your culture. You have the ability to um, to bounce back and, and solve problems much much more quickly. Uh, you're able to retain your staff. Why? Because they they feel heard, and that's something that that today's millennials and Gen Z really want. They want to make a difference. They want to know that they can come into their, your organization and not just be told what to do all the time, but they can actually have a voice. Don't you think that that's something that's important to a lot of the younger generation? Oh yeah, it is. It, it is important to the younger generation. Um, the trick is to put them in positions where they can have a voice, even though they don't have much experience. Right, right, right. You know, sometimes uh, you can put them in situations where they, 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 they want to. They have big goals. They, they, they want to make world-changing decisions. But the, the role that you've given to them, the role that's available to them, doesn't really allow them to quote unquote change the world, and so. Well, You've got to find other ways to kind of satiate that that desire, uh, and still give them a feel a feeling that they're contributing to something, even though they they're they're not they're not CEOs yet. Right, and and you can help. You, you, that's part of our job as leaders is to help them figure out how they're changing the world, even if it's just with the customer service that they're doing right at that level, and and they want inclusivity, and this is a way they they. They appreciate diversity and inclusion. And part of that diversity is, is how you treat people and how you hear their voices. And so that this is actually a very hot button for a lot of the younger generation today. And so giving them that voice is, is important. Um, you know, safety. We, when, when we talk about why, or why not something might not work, we can have physical safety or psychological safety. We can talk about how our ideas may, may impact our customers, our, our you know, our team or whatever. Those are, those are some of the reasons to, to have productive conflict. And if you don't do it well, you actually reduce innovation. You have 
wasted and lost time. You make mistakes and errors. You have absenteeism. People shut down. You know, you have legal costs and lawsuits and, and bad press and all kinds of, of negative things. And there's so many that when you don't do conflict well, that, that, that can create risks for your organization. Do you have any, do you have any examples, Spencer, without naming names of organizations where you have helped them kind of transform from being a, uh, for lack of a better term, a submissive organization to one that encourages this productive conflict and how that changed the performance of the organization over time? Yeah, so so great question. Um, I I think I've shared the the case study of the Cure for the Kids Foundation. This is an organization that is uh, a nonprofit that's all geared towards um, treating children with with cancer. And so most of the people that come work there, uh, nurses, uh, mostly nurses are are the largest uh, number of, of, of staff are very mission driven. They're very caring and uh, typically they have high pace and, and lower dominance. And, and some of the doctors are, you know, they're, they're certainly brilliant and caring, but they have to be, you know, to, to figure out some of the, the, the different cancers, they have to be risk takers. And so there's, there's typically in, in any healthcare organization, there's tension between the healthcare providers, the doctors and the nurses differences in personalities. Um, and in this organization, there was some big, big tension. And because the nurses were so conflict avoidant, they would never speak up. They, they didn't know how to have conflict. And so they would go to the water cooler and have back channel bitch sessions for to use a better word. There's, I can't think of a better word where they would just talk smack one-on-one to, not to your face, but behind your back. And it was a huge problem within the organization and people were unhappy and frustrated and the CEO was, was ready to quit. Well, you fast forward seven years uh, working with my good friend and, and myself, you know, we instituted some programs and working with them and, and um, they just, and I can't take credit for this now, but this is a company that I started the process with. And I introduced my good friend to the CEO. They got married, so he ended up taking a lot more of the steps than, than I did, which I am, I am so excited for. But I have been involved with them all along the way. So they're the company that caused me. I mean, the person who runs the company was why I moved to Las Vegas in 2006. So I have a you know, very close relationship with them. And they just this last week were named the number four best nonprofit to work for in the country. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, they went last year, they went all the way up to number 54. And this year, they're number four. And it has been it has been a long process. But and, and they are one of the fastest growing in the uh, fortune 5000. Um, you know, the Inc, excuse me, the Inc 5000 fastest growing companies. I think they were like 2300 last year. And um, they're just growing by leaps and bounds. And they are now attracting some of the best people and they have learned how to do it they've learned how to what it takes to have a, a a productive conversation and disagreement and 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 some people had to go because they they just couldn't they couldn't buy into it and now they have a a, a company where they trust each other and they're willing to 
to speak up and 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 talk about what can get better, what's not working, and and as a result, it's just become a great place to work. And it seems strange, doesn't it, that because you can do conflict, and that's not the only reason, but a big part of it is, is having effective conflict makes the team actually higher performing. Yeah, it does seem a little counterintuitive, but doesn't it? If it's structured the right way, as you mentioned then there's a pathway to success there, greater success than if you did not have the conflict, right? And that is, yes, exactly. And that's not the only example. I have other examples of, of where that's happened. And, you know, people were, were avoiding those tough conversations. And as a result, the tension, Christian, I'm thinking of another organization that I've, that I've given examples over, over the months that we've talked about this, where the frustration just kept building up because there was no outlet to actually to, to have it and you know they were always shut down there's two kinds of conflict there is what we call cognitive conflict and affective which is personal cognitive is issue-based and that is based on ideas, process, issues, right? So I may have a disagreement with your ideas, but it's not about your style and not because I don't like you, right? That's a, that's a different type of conflict. I, you know, I can't stand it when, you know, Christian asks those types of questions. No, it's not about that. That's, that is a destructive personal type of, of conflict that's not healthy. But affective is really a, a, a type of conflict where we, where we can have dis, you know, substantive topic and issue discussions. So cognitive versus affective. Affective. Affective, correct. Yeah. And, and we need to catch conflict early. I think if, you, if you're able to do that, then you know you you can you can stop it before it, it devolves because if if you were to think of let me see if I let me let me change my screen for a second show you what I'm I'm talking about I mean I mean I'm a little confused today because I'm using a different camera <laughs> I lost your sound Spencer hold on nope I can't hear you. All right. Can you hear me now? Yep. I can hear you now. So, so what's going on is I, I'm, I, we've had some latency issue with, with my, with some of my technology. So I went back to my laptop camera, which I, which I just hate, but it, it means that I, that I have some lack of flexibility. So here's my, my normal camera and I'm in sync right now, but I want to share my, my screen with you. Can you see that? Yep. So on the left side of this, of this graph, we have normal relations. And as you start to move to the right, this conflict becomes more intense. So we start to have product, you know, productive engagement. And then we even get to a place called creative tension. And I, and I want to give you a metaphor for creative tension. Think about a stringed instrument, like a violin or a cello. What what do you need to have on the strings in order for, for you to make music? 
what do I need to have on the strings? Well, I need to I need to have the strings tuned to the various frequencies. So so they need to be tight. They need they yeah they need, need to be tight. They need to have tension. Yes. And so they'll vibrate. Now, if there's too much tension, the string breaks, and 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 that's not good. That's 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 too much conflict, right? It, but the metaphor is, in order for that beautiful music to happen, we need to have enough tension, and that's what I like to say: creative tension for there to be a substantive conversation. Then you sometimes will step over the line, and you know, and you may accidentally get personal or affective and maybe raise your voice a little bit. But if there's trust on the team, which is one of the other uh, values or, or um, strengths of a uh, high, highly positive team, you, you know that I don't mean you harm and I can back up and, and ask for your forgiveness and then step back a little bit from stepping over the line, right? Because we will step over the line from time to time. It just happens when we get passionate about things we might get a little bit over enthusiastic but that's when we start to get into that unproductive conflict and in those points you know we have to have tools to be able to take a break and step back and and cool down but we still want to be able to have a, you know productive conflict and then of course you know as we progress we get to inability to negotiate and loss of trust and that's where you go down a slippery slope and that's where you know wars end up right uh, coming from is is that we just we get to this impasse and and uh, our, all of our efforts are are failing. So there is this zone. It's that creative tension zone that I want. I want you know if you're listening to this, I want you to think about, and that's what we want you to be able to to be able to create in your in your workplace is is a productive type of of conflict. So a couple of more tools for your teams to do that. Number one, create safety agreements, how we're going to behave and, and when there's conflict. And what is it that we do if we step over the line? And you can have, you know, this can be part of your team agreements of how you behave. Specifically, you know, you may have a... a a code of conduct within your organization. This may be a subset of that code of conduct. And also maybe just focus on um, how do I let somebody know that they're kind of stepping over the line? You know, maybe there's a, we all agree on a little code word, like, you know, in football, we have a timeout. Hey, you know, I think we're, we're going a little bit too far. We need to take a break or something like that. But something that everybody agrees on that, that says, you know, uh, Elmo, you know, enough, let's move, let's, let's, let's stop here. And um, I, I didn't use that Elmo acronym, right? Did I? That's enough. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so agree, we made a mistake and back up and, and, and remember to focus on, you know, be behaviors and issues, not on, not on the person, not on the, you know, not on whether we like them or not. Um, so I, now I, I want to share something else with you. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It's called the Thomas Kilman conflict mode. No, I and, have not. And, and so on the left, you can see on the, on the vertical plane, you have, you know, a low concern for your own agenda, right? So a concern for your own agenda. Excuse me. So you can have low concern for your own agenda. Or you can have high concern for your, for your own agenda. And that is measuring your assertiveness. Uh, 
And then on the horizontal plane, you have concern for others agenda. And that's where you get cooperativeness. So left is low cooperative and then high cooperative is, is, on, is on the right. So where we wanna get is we wanna have highly assertive, highly cooperative. That's part of that high performing team. And that's where we're collaborating. But if we're just asserting our agenda and we're not concerned with others, then we're competing, right? If we have low concern for, for our own agenda and low concern for others' agenda, we're avoiding. And some people may think, well, we need to go for the compromise. But that's not what this conflict is all about. It's actually coming out with a better solution than your idea versus you know, uh, compromising your idea versus my idea. What if we take your idea and, and tweak it a little bit and add to it? Then you know, maybe it becomes a better idea. And, and that's how we can collaborate. So, uh, and then lastly, accommodating is, is that you know, I have high concern for your agenda, but low concern for mine. That means I'm, I'm leaving dissatisfied because I've, I've acquiesced to you. And you can see how personality types can fit into these different conflict modes pretty comfortably, don't you? I like that compromise is not the ultimate goal. You know, if you look at this and you have high, if you're high on both axes, yeah, then you're collaborating. And that's, and that's what a high performing team does, isn't it? Isn't it? You don't want better outcomes and better decisions. Yes. And I, and I think that's the, the payoff for, for doing it, doing it right. And so one of the things that I, I do with people is I say, what is your conflict mode? What do you naturally do? Are you competing? Are you collaborating? Are you compromising? And, and, and just really talk to them about that. Um, then there's some things that, that, can, that can hook us in, you know, when it comes to conflict. And, and knowing that we don't all share the, the, the same hooks, I mean, sometimes our identity is threatened, right? And, and that can be perceived threats to my identity. You, you know, you're challenging my authority if you don't agree with me. And some CEOs really struggle with this because they don't want any challenge to their authority. They feel like that's not being um, a, a good team because you're disagreeing with each other. And, and so that's a, that's a hook. Um, and, and that can be just perceived or it could be, it could be real. So learning how to manage those hooks um, and manage our responses is really uh, is really critical. So let me let me share a couple of these hooks. Here's one. It's called competence. You get hooked when when you perceive that somebody is in, is questioning your intelligence or your skills, and then it becomes personal for you, and and the and the conflict can devolve. That make you know oh, yeah totally totally makes sense. And sometimes it's we're so worried about you know our our competence, that's, that's the fear of losing face with the tribe, if you will, because our idea is being shot down or, or, or not supported by others. And another one is inclusion. You get hooked when someone appears to be excluding you in some way. Maybe you're not in, you're not in the meeting or somehow that means that you're, you're not important to the team and that can, that can hook you and cause you to, to fuss and fight. And that's where, um, you know, certainly expressing your, your disagreement. And then if someone says, well, hey, you know, I need you to be on 
I need your energy elsewhere. And, and this is, this is where we're going, but you have the ability to, to share that. I'm making sense there. Yep. Uh, number three, autonomy. Someone appears to be trying to control you or imposing on you or threatening your, your, you know, your independence that can cause you to get hooked and, and get more affective in, in the conflict. And status, you perceive that someone is threatening or, or dissing your tangible or intangible assets, including your power position and economic worth, or, you know, in my case, my attractiveness. <laughs> yes, the full screen there, perfect, with a high resolution, beautiful camera. <laughs> and I think lastly, reliability, you perceive that someone is questioning your trust, trustworthiness or dependability. And these are, these are real hooks. And, and the final one is integrity. Someone appears to be questioning your moral values or integrity. And I have gotten hooked by a lot of these. I, I remember having a, a really heated conflict with another salesperson. I was the sales manager and, and this guy had been there a lot longer than I had. And, and he accused me of uh, cherry picking the leads, right? And so we had to get someone else involved in the conversation. And I remember getting very, very defensive because it wasn't true, first of all, but that was, I got hooked and that was unproductive. The, con the conversation just didn't, didn't, didn't go well. And I take the, some of the blame for that because I, I've been there. I don't know if you've ever got hooked by any of these things before. Oh, definitely. That one that came to mind right away. Uh, was the inclusion one right and 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 that came as a result of i had a responsibility to do certain things uh my responsibility was very downstream in the process yeah and and uh the people who had designed the process and the tools upstream didn't involve me at all in that process upstream and then when it came to me to do the work the work that i had to do it was very, very difficult to do it because I wasn't involved from the beginning. And yeah, we had some words because I'm like, you know, how is it that you guys have gone on for months and you've designed this thing and now we go to implement it and it's just not usable. We can't use this. Uh, you know, it should have been included from the outset. And that it was, is so uh, it was frustrating. It was, it was frustrating. It was really difficult. And, and a lot of projects happen that way. And so, you know, I want our, our listeners to think, you know, when are you hooked? When your competence is threatened, when you're, when you're not included, when, when that's threatened, when your autonomy is threatened, when your status is threatened, when your reliability or your integrity is threatened. All of these can, can be real um, and, and cause you to, to struggle with with having productive conflict. And um, so I, you know, I think there's a couple things that, that, that I really emphasize when, when, when people come out of uh, this, this workshop or this conversation with, you know, talking about conflict, normalize it, create agreements, be self-aware. What happens to us? How do we get hooked? How does our behavior tie into this? And, and, and just, really build an awareness about how the team feels and how, how you're doing and, and understand where the team sits on that conflict curve. Are you past trust right now? Does trust need to be rebuilt? And, 
you know, you can do a assessment and find out where, where you're at. It's one of the things I do. I do a team diagnostic that, that can really help us find out, you know, how the team is, is performing. Lean in to, to the discomfort, right? Learn about yourself and, and be willing to admit, like, you know, just like you and I, we've, we've made mistakes. I've made mistakes a lot of times. And, and, uh, you know, even talk to people like, um, you know, our, our, uh, Jackie Edmiston, learn about breathing and meditating and, and, uh, Lisa Sams, you know, do, do things that can, can help you deal with stress. We had Dr. Uh, Nelson on last week talking about, you know, uh, psychological flexibility and how to manage our stress, learn how to meditate, maybe do yoga or something, just learn how to, how to control your, you know, your, your hooks a little bit better, you know, one study of that, that said 76% of team members have seen conflict lead to a positive outcome. And, and that's where we want to get. I just use for that example, you asked me and Cure for the Kids Foundation, they are such a poster child for a team that was willing to, to, to confront their challenges, to, to start having productive conflict and the outcomes. They are having so much fun right now they, you know, it doesn't mean it's always easy because now they have this high performing team and they have standards to uphold, but boy, that's fun to be on a winning team. And then they're attracting even more and more high quality people, but better understanding of others, you know, 41% of this survey uh, said, you know, they, they members have a positive outcome when they go through this process because they understand each other better and they start having more confidence to be able to deal with, with challenges. And so now you become more innovative, more collaborative. You become more appreciative of diversity. Remember, diversity and inclusion is such a huge topic right now. And it's not just, it's a broader topic than, than just race. It's differences of opinion. That's part of diversity and including hearing all those voices. And that's something that organizations are really needing to implement today to to make sure that they're engaging all members at a high level improves understanding we we start to understand each other better we um you know we, we're more proactive when we're willing to have instead of conflict avoidance or, or eyeball rolling you know we're now trusting each other we're, we're more resilient as an organization we can deal with challenges easier and as a result our business is better so I, you know, teams that, that score high on this are so much more productive. And, and so it is really a good idea to learn how to do this. And I gave you, a, you know, one example and I could, I could give you more. So any other thoughts that you have or questions that you'd ask for me? Well, what I would do is say, well, if I'm in a situation, if any of our listeners are in situations where their teams are not necessarily producing at their peak if they are not optimal yeah um, if there are challenges with conflict in your organization whether you don't have enough productive conflict or you have too much unproductive conflict and you need some help spencer what's the best way for people in those situations to contact you well that's just email me spencer at altiumleadership.com go to our website altium leadership and I will provide you with what's called a team leader view. And it's a, it's a great assessment. It's free. 
and you can take a look at your your team and see how you do. I just did this with a, a, a company in Cyprus just this last week. I got it, and and we're going to be doing some you know some work with with them. But th this is a great tool, and then you can actually do a team diagnostic and get everybody's perspective on the team to see not just from the leader's per perspective, but from from everybody on that team. And when you do that, you create a foundation to start making shifts on your team to get to that fun place where you're working together at a high level, you're, you're winning games. I just, I mean, I just love watching the jazz team right now. Uh, you know, I love watching them support each other. I love watching them challenge each other. You know, they, they get frustrated every once in a while, but you know, when a player goes down, they're just every, there's really no excuses. Everyone's just doing their best. And, um, it's so much fun to watch a team that is comfortable having tough conversations, pushing each other, working harder, getting better, having productive conflict. Uh, I totally agree. It's been an interesting, really Cinderella season for the Jazz. It's been a dream season. It's been a lot of fun watching them. And we hope that they can maintain their first place seating up to the playoffs we'll see how they go phoenix is uh nipping at coming on strong aren't they yeah, they're coming on really really strong they're playing really really excellent basketball and people you can talk to me at uh gp4.com gpfour.com or reach me on linkedin christian napier or email me at cnapier at gp4.com spencer it's been a lot of fun having some productive conflict today <laughs> i just you know I, I i just want people to know i mean you have so much incredible knowledge and experience if people aren't listening to your other podcast you know they need to because you've got some great guests over there and you just have so much great experience i mean I, I i throw questions at you and you're like okay this happens this happens this happens and so um i just love what what you're doing for for your clients and i hope people reach out to you and get to know you i was actually talking about you last night um to uh jason hewlett he was asking about our our podcast and i was i was talking a little bit about you and and your um, also your life stories and because um, he's, he's he's actually looking at he was talking about doing interviews with with his with his dad and I'm like that's exactly what Christian does <laughs> awesome we'd we'll love to talk with him all right Spencer uh, it's been fun as always and uh, listeners please like and subscribe to our podcast we'll catch you again soon Spencer thanks so much thank you thank you